god. God. <laughs> um, dude, thanks for uh, thanks for making time. Yeah, no problem. How you feeling? Just, I'm feeling good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kind of hanging out right now. <laughs> cool. It's all good. Yeah. Good. All right. So, um, yeah. So I'm connecting with people. I'm recording the screen and. Yeah, I just want to hang for three or four minutes here and uh, get a lay of how you're doing. So, how you doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a, I'm an introvert, so this is not that far-fetched for me to spend some time by myself. So, oh, yeah. that's been uh, uh, pretty restful for me and um, just reading some books and yeah, um, going through some Lewis right now since I got the time to sit and think on it right right yeah. go deep and go deep into that one right uh um, so what are you reading which which cs Lewis book i just finished scarlet or sorry uh screw tape letters and Whoa. i just bought uh mere christianity today <laughs> yeah, screw tape was good <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah. that's awesome so if you had to boil it like what did you take away from screw tape Oh, so Lewis has some strong opinions against beards. Uh, beards, yeah. <laughs> A little caught off guard by that one. And he, uh, I think it was definitely what I took away was living in the moment, not necessarily worrying about the future. Mm -hmm. So you have this whole element of spiritual warfare that's always going on. And one of the best ways that you get distracted from what you need to be or what you need to be doing is worrying about the future or being afraid of it, or even not even necessarily worrying, just thinking about it too much. That's so good. Yeah. yeah. I love that. The idea is they either overthink about us or they don't think about us enough. They just dismiss us. And either way, either side of that, right. That tension rod, the spiritual warfare is winning. Like either mm -hmm. I don't know it or it's all I'm all consumed. Yeah, yeah. And I love the way every everything or almost everything in and of itself was neither good nor bad. It was just which way it got spun. Oh, it's so good, man. So, um, so aside from the books portion of some of your self-care, what are some other practical things that you're doing to just make sure that you're healthy? Yeah, um, I'm talking to some people. I, I'm close with my brother, so he's home and uh, just making sure to touch base with some people I haven't seen in a while. You know, sometimes it's actually been almost good for that, for the just being able to slow down and remember the people in my life and right. touch out and reach base or yeah, touch base with them. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing the same thing. This has been a lot of fun. Um, Cause this is a whole new format for you and I, we've never done this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it makes me slow down <laughs> and yeah. not grab the microphone. It's fun. It's different. Yeah. That's everything's changed. Yeah. Just it's weird. It's a chaotic, chaotic place. I think it always has been. It just now it's like you recognize it. That's cool. Okay. So, like the ending of three, four minutes here, if you had to say something to CSF and had a chance to, yeah, just to kind of have carte blanche to the community, like what's the message that you would have for us? Yeah, um, I mean, CSF is such a big community. I mean, that's such a big focus. 
So I, I hope the people, when they split up their different ways, especially the the seniors, I mean, I'm going through that right now. Of, well, this is this closure is no no closure at all. Like this is completely different. I'm sure there's a lot of people kind of caught or wishing or hoping for the the normal way that things have always been done, or who have been looking forward to things that they expected to come and then now they're not. And so definitely as things change up, I say don't don't look at it as all all bad. I mean it's it's different. It's new. And continue to reach out to those people amidst the change and continue to reach out to your community and connect and adapt and yeah. I love Hopefully that, man. Best of this. <laughs> That's a good word. That's a good word. Uh give us the like the two second or 20 second version of where you're headed in the future. Once uh, you make it through the, the distance ed of your senior year, what are you on to next? Yeah, so I'm heading off to Kansas City in September, um, the Kansas City Fellows Program. And I'll, I'll be working a nonprofit job down there and doing some theology training and uh, hopefully running my own college class, which will be super sweet. <laughs> I love it. Um, so not not jumping that far out of college, not too far yet. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm heading. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I got a few months of online classes, a few months of relaxing this summer, and then I'll be six hours away, different awesome. place, awesome. yeah. That's so good, man. I'm thrilled that you were able to land there. Mm. Um, yeah, and have a place that you're looking forward to to be in and really uh, kind of knowing what your next phase of leadership and training is going to look like. So that's real exciting. Yeah, I'm pumped. <laughs> I'm Plus, you got to check out Messenger Coffee, my boys at Messenger Coffee in downtown Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> I'll track them down. All right. It's good stuff. All right. Brogan, thanks a ton, man. I appreciate you making time. Yeah, no problem. Hey, CSF, we're jumping into Acts chapter 23. We left last week Paul in jail for a third night in a row. And there was a Jesus sighting. You'll remember verse 11 said this. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage. I mean, this, is, this was our ending call. Do it now. It was a choice that Paul had to make, but it was not up for debate. And the reason that we left it there was Paul was a man who understood discouragement. He understood fear. And the promise of Jesus right by his side was as you have have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you will testify in Rome. And that is the, that is the crux of where we are off to tonight. Paul's about to go back on trial. Cue law and order music. We have a question for the comment section. You were to apply Jesus's command, take courage to your own life this past week how would you apply it? Picking up in verse 12, this is our new content. The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and they bound themselves with an oath. 
not to eat or to drink until they had killed Paul. A group of more than 40 Jewish men are hatching this plot to murder Paul and they want him to come along the narrow streets so they could jump out and ambush him. My name is Johnny Knoxville and this is the High Five. Oh. Oh my goodness. But this is why we start with chapter 23, verse 11, because the second part of take courage was, Paul, you will leave Jerusalem alive so that you can testify in Rome. Now, at this point in the story, I want to talk about a principle called providence. If you go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, Abraham had to go up a mountain on the call from God and sacrifice his son, Isaac. Want to go on a sacrifice? Sure. All right, go on, grab your hiking sandals. I had to tell Isaac something to get him out of the house. I saw God. Figures. Mm. You'll never believe this latest thing. Oh. Gotta kill the boy. Can you believe that? I'd... What? Father. Yeah? You didn't bring anything to sacrifice. Uh, God uh, is gonna make us a lamb. I had to stall the whole way there. You know, he's going, where's the lamb? Where's the ram? But Abraham answers, God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. That is the essence of providence. And it's, it's amazing. If you read Genesis 22, 14 for yourself, what you'll see is God, in fact, did provide a lamb. It was in the thicket. As Abraham is leaving the mountain, he calls the name of the place, the Lord will provide. It's this idea that runs throughout the entirety of scripture that God himself loves his world, his story, and his people in it. And so he is always providing for them. Now, the reason we talk about providence in this moment, if you remember from Acts 23, Paul is about to be moved back to the Sanhedrin so along the way, people can jump out and... This is all flour for our friend Bam. We're going to antique him when he gets here. What's up? (laughs) How much? How you been? High five! ambush him. Exactly. We've taken an oath not to eat or drink until we kill him. And guys, throughout the story of scripture and throughout the story of your life, God is not this impersonal divine being who is set apart and disconnected from his world. No, God himself will always provide. And so when anxiety comes, the thing that you and I must lean into in times of hardship is being able to know the story of God and know the character of God that he will provide a way. And that's exactly what happens in Acts 23. Pick up uh, verse 16 with me. When the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, the nephew went into the barracks and told Paul, And then Paul called one of the centurions and said, take this young man to the commander. He has something to say. And so he goes to the commander. The centurion says, Paul, the prisoner sent for me and asked me to bring this young man. And so what we get is this this game of telephone. It's pretty important. Verse 19, the commander takes the young man by the hand, draws him aside and says, what is it? 
How did the nephew move through 40 different people and obviously a conspiracy? How did he move without being detective? I got some, some options for you. Was he a ninja? I mean, was he just stealthy? Uh, was he ignored because he was a child? Maybe he was too young to even be looked at or given a second glance. Maybe he was known. Maybe the, maybe the nephew was able to hide in plain sight because everybody knew this kid. What's your guess? ABCD, throw it in the comment section. How was the nephew able to move through the story undetected? So here we pick up in 23 and the story moves on. The commander called two of his centurions and ordered them, get ready a detachment, catch the numbers of 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Under the cover of darkness, they act on the information coming from the nephew, from the providential uh, ability of God to tell his story in his way. And he says this, provide horses for Paul. Like providence laid out on verse 24, provide horses for Paul so that he may be safely taken to Governor Felix. Now, remember the oath takers did not kill Paul, but they had sworn not to eat so my question has to be, did they starve to death? There's got to be a better question. Why in the book of Acts would we get, we've been active watching the church grow and spread. And what we're, what we're hitting now in chapter 22 all the way through 28 is basically a repeating series of Paul moving through the judicial system of Rome at the time. Why in the world would Luke care so much to tell this story over and over and over? Luke is giving an account. He is le legitimately writing history and telling the story. You, Rome, have nothing to fear about the people of the way. Verse 31 continues. And so the soldiers carrying out their orders take Paul with them during the night. Guys, this is a military transfer that is just absolutely, I could think of no better movie. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I have the only gun on board. Welcome to Con Air. Classic, I know. See, the future of the church is at stake, and there are two powerful forces in the middle of these two authorities, one being the national identity and one being the political military identity. In the middle of this is this single solitary voice. It's Paul. And so my new question for the comment section is, what in the world could one person's voice do to upset 2,000 plus years of heritage and this controlling, mighty, political powerhouse understood as Rome? Who knows, maybe you have been put here for such a time as this. And Paul was absolutely put into this place. What would either of these national powers have to, have to worry about from a single person? Or why would Paul believe 
that he actually would make a difference. How do you and I understand the story and understand our place in the world and also our voice in the world? In the middle of whatever ruling authority or power we see around us, how in the world do you and I speak up, stand up to make a difference? Chapter 23, verse 24, five days later, the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus. What a great lawyer name. They brought their charges against Paul and before the governor. And in your foresight, honorable Felix, you have brought reforms in this nation everywhere and in every way, most excellent Felix. We acknowledge this with profound gratitude. And then he turns from that. Buttering up and points over at Paul and says, we have found this man, Paul. And he uses the word troublemaker. It's translated a perfect pest. Paul, the perfect pest, has been stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. Huh. And he is the ringleader of the Nazarene sect, dot, dot, dot. You guys can read on and on what he says. As Tertullus points at Paul, Paul has to respond to these charges. Now, here's the aha. Paul knows that he is under the authority of Judaism as a Jewish man himself, and yet he strives to emulate the perfectedness that he has seen and known in Jesus, who revealed himself as the Christ. Remember, Christ is not his last name. And so he's under the tradition and authority as a Jewish man who is attempting to follow Jesus. At the same time, he's in the political courts of Rome. And here's what Paul knows. He knows that humanity will always misuse their God-given authority. Guys, you and I will continually misuse our power and our authority in whatever that looks like, even as 19, 20, 21, 2, 3, 4-year-olds, even as 39-year-olds. I have the capacity, and I'm really good at misusing the authority that God has given me. And so what Paul must do is he must answer his tradition, his heritage, his Jewishness. At the same time, he must speak with wisdom to Rome and to the authorities. And so here's the deal. Paul is Roman, remember last week. And so he is going to say, no, 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 I'm a loyal Roman citizen and I'm a loyal son of Israel. And so he's going to have to answer both. Paul is accused by Tertullus of three things. He's accused of being a troublemaker. He's accused of being a leader of a new sect, S-E-C-T. And then he will be accused of temple desecration. And so in verse 10, the governor Felix will motion, Paul will stand up and it's his turn, turn to give a defense. Paul replies, I know that for a number of years, you have been a judge over this nation. So now he is buttering up Felix. This is more of a lactose-free buttering. I know for a number of years you have been a judge over the nation, so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago, I was in Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogue or anywhere else in the city. And they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. 
Paul proceeds to refute the prosecutor's allegations one by one. First, emphatically, I'm not a troublemaker. In fact, I was a pilgrim on my way to worship, not an agitator, off to start a riot. He says, you can go find anybody you want. Second, yeah, I'm a follower of the way. I'm one who knows this story and sees how Jesus fulfills all of this. But it's not a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. That's the entirety of the Old Testament. You would talk about the law and the prophets. And I have this same hope in God as these men themselves have that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. And so I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. So here's our next question. If someone asked you to give a profession of faith, what would you say? See, here's what Paul does. He, he says this, one, I worship the God of our fathers, the God that has been revealed in scripture. I think that's a pretty foundational statement. Number two, I agree with I believe everything that agrees with the law and the prophets, meaning I can find the story. Number three, I have the same hope in the same God, and I strive to keep my conscience clear. So not only is there a belief structure and a story understanding, but also a hope, right? This is faith. And then there's a third piece of it, which is an action. I strive to keep my conscience clear. I want my faith to be walked out in the world around me. This is not just a personal declaration for Paul. This is something that all believers everywhere into the future should declare alongside him. We are not called to innovate the story of scripture, scripture, nor are we called to deviate from the story of scripture. We are to have the same hope, the same faith, the same Bible that has been anchored in millennia and we are supposed to tap into and tell the same story that Paul does. But here's the twist. We always must tell that story with gentleness and grace contextually for whoever is hearing it. See, Paul is in court. And so he's contextually answering the arguments and the claims that have been made against him. Jump ahead to verse 22 and 24, 25. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. Remember, he's in court. Several days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. Now, you may have thought that Drusilla came from the sisters in Cinderella, and she did. I'll do it myself. Get away from me. I'll make it fit. It fits. But they got it from Acts. Several days later, Felix came back with Drusilla, who is Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about his faith in Christ Jesus. Paul talked about three things, righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. Felix began to get afraid, says the text, and said, that's enough for now. Felix stopped Paul as he was talking. He says, you may leave. When I find it convenient, I'll send for you. At the same time, he was hoping for a bribe from Paul. So he sent for him frequently, and Felix then would talk with Paul. 
So a couple of thoughts here. Number one, Felix is well acquainted with the way. He is well acquainted with these people who call themselves Christ followers or Christians, people of the way. Judiciously, he can't help the Jews who are coming. At the same time, he wants to keep the peace. So he's unwilling to release Paul, hoping that someone somewhere will bribe him. This began a two-year waiting process for Paul. Like some of you went stir crazy with a two-week spring break and like began biting your nails and climbing the walls. This is two years of hurry up and wait for my promises to come true for Paul. Over the span of these two years, Paul got some incredible writing done. You might call them the epistle letters back to Galatia. Over time, he was able to tell this story to Drusilla and Felix. And let's be real, anyone who would listen, Paul always is sticking with the storyline of scripture, the law and the prophets and the hope that is in Jesus. But he's also contextualizing that story. He's not innovating and making it new, but he's speaking it and telling it in a way that his hearers would listen No matter how juicy Felix's story was, he was never beyond the care of Jesus' forgiveness. And Paul diligently presented again and again and again the story of hope to whoever would listen. As you guys think through your story, the place where God has providentially put you for this season, look around you and think about a couple things. Number one, how do I make a profession of faith? And number two, how do I contextualize the story that I am learning of scripture, the one that I am taking in and it's changing me? How do I contextualize that for whoever is hearing it? Because no one is outside the reach of the hope of Jesus. And that's the good news of the gospel. It's what Paul is committed to telling. And so with that, we pray this simple prayer. God, no matter where we are uh, today in relationship to you, I pray that hearts would turn and that we would be known and seen and we would be able to apply uh, these words, speaking words of hope and encouragement to a world that is broken. 